I'm Joe, and I have a master's degree in music. I'm his brother, Dan, and I'm a self-taught musician. We've both listened to thousands of hours of music over the years, but somehow certain well-known and influential albums have eluded us. In other words, we definitely should have heard these by now. Today, we cross one more album off our list and give you our thoughts and impressions. This is Brothers in Song. Dan the man, what's the plan? Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. How I thought you? we would <laughs> I thought we would get through this this whole this whole podcast uh, run however many episodes we get to without a Dan the man, but I'm glad we got it out of the way relatively early in our run. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the plan is to uh, talk about some music as usual. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. It's uh, it's one that uh, is, is definitely uh, different for me as far as stuff I usually listen to. But uh, I understand uh, before we get started, you have some uh, provocative questions for me. I do. I do. So I thought, you know, we always like to start these off with a little bit of a, a question to kind of get us in, into the mood for what we're going to talk about. So today we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to give you a couple different scenarios and I would like you to tell our audience what type of music you listen to when you are in these scenarios. So are you ready? I am ready, and uh, for our regular listeners, I can guarantee you that every answer is not going to be Pearl Jam. It's going to be Soundgarden. So, <laughs> all right. Whenever you're ready. All right. So, you're going for a walk. What do you put on the eye? What do you put on in your ears? Um, I have really liked listening to this uh, little-known band called uh, Sleep Token recently. They have these kind of... They do a lot of these, like, epic ballads and um, it's kind of symphonic and kind of moody and kind of metal. It's good, good stuff. Very cool. All right. If you're doing a chore around the house, whether it's folding laundry or cooking dinner, what do you throw on the uh, the old sound system? Um, I, I like to go for a little bit of jazz when I'm doing that. Um, uh, some Miles Davis, some John Coltrane. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe. Um, Maybe a jazz vocalist like uh, Sarah Vaughn or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. All right. Your karaoke go-to, because I know you you are not afraid of a little karaoke. That's true. That's true. Um, karaoke go-to, it's usually some kind of uh, 80s power ballad. I've been known to, to uh, break out the Bon Jovi, the Guns N' Roses... Nice. Uh, the white snake, etc. Yeah. So, what do you need? Like one, two, three cocktails to get up there? You're just ready to roll. I'm pretty much. I'm pretty much ready to ready to roll. One, one. I mean, you know how it goes. One drink to loosen me up, but after that, uh, you know, you, you do want to maintain. The rest a little... is just for your ego, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. All right. Final one. So. Uh, 
when you're having a drink at home, what do you throw on there? Oh, just just sitting around have, having a drink at home. Um, man, that could that could literally be anything. Um, it kind of depends on the mood, right? Just kind of de- just kind of depends on the mood. I don't know if I'm if I'm relaxing or something like that. Um, you know, maybe doing a little art at the same time. Uh, I've been into uh, uh, Chelsea Wolf lately. He's mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. a contemporary singer songwriter uh, who I mentioned briefly on on an episode before. I think. Excellent, excellent. So, if, if I may indulge. And this is our show. And if right. our audience will indulge, I, I had a couple of my own that I just would like to share. So please do. So uh, when I'm working now, when I used to work at the Metropolitan Opera, there was this cool little thing about the offices is that there was a speaker that was uh, mic to the auditorium. So you could hear rehearsals going on. So that was always cool. And I, and I was known from time to time to totally stop a meeting in my office and be like, wait, wait for it. Because here comes the good part and make Mm -hmm. everybody listen to it for a few minutes. But now that I work at home primarily, um, I listen actually because in my work, I tend to do some writing. So having like lyrics going into my ears is not helpful. So I listen to a lot of film score music, which is actually like I I recommend it (laughs) to anybody because it makes you feel like you're in the Pelican Brief because like you have this like soundtrack in your head. (laughs) You're just like. You're like, din, 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 din. and it's like, I'm doing work. I'm solving the case. I'm doing the work. I'm solving the case. So like <laughs> that, I, I highly recommend. Um, cooking, it's, it, you know, we'll usually throw on whatever kind of mood we're in, um, in, the, in, in my household. Um, but I have to say, uh, bringing this full circle. So the album we're going to talk about tonight, the Nat King Cole album, The Very Thought of You. I feel like this is the absolute perfect album to throw on when you're just like sitting, having a drink on a Friday night, like tonight, like a nice Manhattan or a martini, just put it on and you're just like, oh man, the week is done. Life is good. Uh, Let's get this thing rolling. So with that, let's get this thing rolling. Um, So this was my choice this week. Um, And I have to say, I was familiar with Nat King Cole primarily because of our upbringing um, and his 1960 Christmas album, uh, which has the Christmas song on it, which is uh, one of his most popular uh, singles that he ever sang. Um, But I didn't really know a whole lot about his popular music. Um, As I mentioned at the end of the last episode... um, you know, I really love early Frank Sinatra and, you know, the Rat Pack and all those guys, you know, Dean Martin and, you know, even going all the way to like Bing Crosby and, and those guys. But I didn't know so much about Nat King Cole. So I did I did learn quite a bit about him as I was prepping for this episode. So let me mm-hmm. let me just give you a bit of a background. So, um, you know, this album was produced in 1958. And it's important to note that year because in all the years that Nat King Cole was active, you know, creating music, this was his most prolific year. Um, he recorded 
over 100 songs and seven albums in one year, 1915. Wow. Um, there's, I think, a couple different reasons for, for that. Um, you know, I think he's just was at that point, you know, pretty popular and I think he can kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And um, I think there was an appetite for his type of music. But, you know, going back a little bit, uh, you know, Nat King Cole was also a bit of a trailblazer. He was the first African-American to host a variety show, the Nat King Cole Show, which premiered in 1956. Um, it seemed to be popular with audiences, but it ended up being canceled because they could not find sponsors. And, and there's a lot of speculation. But, um, you know, he even said at the time he felt that advertisers were afraid of an African-American frontman, and they didn't want to advertise on his show. Um, and, you know, something else that happened to him, you know, right around that time as well is in 1956, I think this was like in the lead up to having his variety show, he went on tour and, you know, just getting out there and performing, which he had done, you know, for a long time prior to this, but I think it was leading up to all this. He was performing in... Um, Birmingham, Alabama, and um, was attacked by uh, members of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, oh. And, you know, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, and, you know, he just, you know, he got out of there. He wasn't, you know, severely hurt. But, like, just to think about that, you know, he was from Alabama. I think he was just trying to go there, make some music, you know, play for some people that want to hear him and then some shit like that happens to you and you're like what the hell am i doing yeah. so um so yeah i mean there there's a lot to there's a lot that folks can find out about you know his politics and where you know he was with a lot of that stuff that you know this this show is not equipped to discuss um but i i thought that that was you know a pretty significant thing that that was worth mentioning um, so, you know, and unfortunately, Nat King Cole died, you know, in 1965 and he was, he was pretty young. He was, he was, I believe 45 years old when he died and he was known to be a pretty heavy smoker and he died of lung cancer. They caught it very late. And, um, he, he, once he was diagnosed, it was a pretty quick drop. So, you know. Uh, it's pretty amazing of how much he created and produced and how long his legacy is considering, um, you know, he was only around for 45 years, but, you know, sometimes great people can just leave in, you know, an indelible mark on the world um, through their art, uh, which is, you know, pretty great. So with all of that being said, um, you know, this is my choice. So I, I was a little bit familiar with this style of music, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you thought. Um, going, going and listening to this sort of thing, which I know you don't typically listen to. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have a lot of respect for, um, artists of those, uh, of that era. Um, and, uh, you know, that style of, of popular music and, and I do enjoy it, uh, from, from time to time. Uh, that Christmas album that you mentioned is, is one of my favorites um you know even though our parents would play it over and <laughs> over and over and over again um but i still really love it um and i was uh i, I was definitely you know curious to hear uh, a full album of his more 
uh, conventional material. And, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of good stuff on this. Um, I have, I have a bit of mixed feelings, uh, you know, having, having listened to the album, uh, in its entirety, mm-hmm. um, you know, first the good, you know, and I'll just speak very, very generally, cause you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of the details in a little bit. Um, you know, much like, uh, the Dolly, Dolly Parton album, Jolene, that we listened to last week, you know, the, the musicianship and the, and the craft that's on display on this is just really phenomenal. Um, you know, everything just sounds absolutely perfect. Uh, and, you know, to think that he was, you know, recording, you know, a hundred songs in a year, uh, and, you know, I'm assuming you're not talking about, you know, demos and whatever and stuff that gets left on the shelf. I mean, they, I think they were, you know, recording from what I read, there were seven, uh, LPs that were released in this year of 1958. So, you know, it, it was, it was the real deal. And, you know, he he's a performer and and he's not necessarily a songwriter and that's totally fine so he's getting sure. the material he's learning it and he's performing it and you know i think similar to what we talked about a bit last week with Jolene you know with 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 the orchestra that was led by um Gordon Jenkins you know and 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 Nat King Cole being you know trained as you know he was trained through church music and classical music you know he probably learned it and then recorded it and sang it and then they moved on to the next one like they just cranked him out you know yeah yeah absolutely and um and to just think about you know the amount of you know mental and emotional energy it takes to do that and even though you're not you know even though he wasn't writing the songs uh and not really uh, you know speaking about his personal experience because he's not the writer you know people like him find a way to put their stamp on the music uh they find a way to express what's on on the page in their own way uh and then that's what people gravitate toward Mm -hmm. uh and his and his instrument his voice is fantastic i mean it's it's distinctive uh it's got just great uh just great tone and great warmth to it that i really like um you know so so in that respect i really enjoyed listening and listening to this uh on the other hand kind of the songs as a collection didn't you know don't don't really speak to me in a way that i like music to to speak to me because i don't feel like i'm you know i feel like i'm hearing the words of songwriters who are you know they're there for a purpose they're there to make hits they're there to mm-hmm, sell mm-hmm. records that kind sure, of thing sure um, and and I think that does, I think that does come come through. But you know, for for that time, uh, 
I don't think people are expecting the same things that people are expecting now where where when you hear an album even if the performer is not the principal writer i think people do expect to hear something that seems personal to the performer that you're getting some kind of insight into the artist themselves and I don't think that was important to the creation of this, but I do think it affects my ability to connect with the music. Sure, sure. No, I, th- I think that's all that you said is very fair. Um, and, and I agree with it. You know, it, it was written 63 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. well, it was recorded 63 years ago. Who knows when the songs exactly were written. And And to your point, I think they were just kind of all put together as a package. And, you know... This is a snapshot, I think, and a, and a pretty fair one of pop music in the late 1950s. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of appealing to all people. The, the songs, generally speaking, are about pretty common themes of, of love and, and, and longing and, and, and anything like that, that that's pretty universal. Um, but I think, uh, as you said, you know, to have an artist that can put because, you know, many of these songs are, are, are you know, pretty standard in in the repertoire for for people who who perform this music. And even with that being said, you know, Nat King Cole, because his voice is so distinctive and so beautiful, it's he, he did exactly what you said. He put his own impression upon, you know this canvas of art and you know this happens all the time in classical music right because they're performing music primarily from the 19th and and early 20th century like that's where and so like people are hearing these operas that have been performed and and even orchestral music that's been performed for over 100 years but they're still coming back to hear it one because it's brilliant but two because it's a new artist putting their own stamp on it and um and to do that with non-original material, which I think this is fair to say because it's been recorded, you know, previous and afterward from 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 Nat's uh, interpretation of it, um, and to be able to stand out with your own rendition, I think is is pretty powerful. Um, so, I now that we sort of talked generally about it, let's get a little bit more specific. So. Uh, do you have a favorite track or favorite tracks that you really, really kind of jumped out at you? I know, I know it can get a little homogenous with, you know, the similar orchestration with the strings and kind of tempi of the song, but w- were there one or two that, that, that peaked your ears up a little bit? Uh, yeah, there were, there were a couple, um, that I, that, you know, that were stands standout standouts for me. Um, the first one is um, I found a million dollar baby, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really enjoyed how you know how the strings were being plucked to uh, represent the rain um, because the song talks about you know the speaker of the song is you know caught in the rain he goes into the store he mm-hmm. sees this woman. Um, so the song begins and ends with, you know, with the plucking of the strings to uh, to represent the rain. Um, and, you know, and that's a device that's been used before. Uh, it actually reminded me of the song um, uh, Little April Shower from the movie Bambi, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is 
I mean, Bambi's a kids movie, and and uh, that song is uh, is very is very simplistic in its in its content. But if you but if you listen to it, it's actually like really gorgeous, and I really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I kind of was getting that same feeling from this. Um, and I like how it I like how it, it told a little bit more uh, of a story as well. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a cheesy little, you know, love story. But I but I kind of like that better than just speaking generally about romantics. Right. Right. Um, sort of sort of those very broad platitudes that we get. In, yes. And in, in a lot of lyric writing throughout this album. Right. Um, so I like that one. And uh, I also liked um, My Heart Tells Me. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I really appreciated the um, the kind of melancholy uh, sound that this that the strings had, and I'm I, I don't have the ability to really understand, you know, what that chord structure is to 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 make to make that sound the way it did. I mean, it sounded slightly dissonant in places, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I liked how that song, you know, kind of expressed a little bit more complex and nuanced emotions. Um, the the kind of indecision and internal turmoil that you might have when you're having a debate with yourself over whether a relationship is good for you or not. Uh, it's about trying to trust your instincts, which is not always an easy thing to do when you have, you know, outside influences happening in this case from you know from this lover that the speaker of the song is talking about Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know often love songs or songs in general try to reduce the situation to one emotion or another and we all know that life is more complicated than that Mm -hmm. and i think both both lyrically and musically that song is um is expressing expressing that so so that's why i um you know appreciated that one or enjoyed that one more than some of the others sure sure yeah for me it was um i i really like um impossible uh just because i think it's a little bit playful and it, it depicts kind of like that feeling when you first meet somebody that really has an effect on you and um you know there's some I mean, like, this is a little thing, but there's, like, triplets in the lower strings that I found were, like, really cool. Um, So it kind of, like, drives the song along a bit. But then, like, when I listen to it really closely, between the vocal line and then sort of the the song and response between the vocal line and the strings, you know, they work well as two separate parts that are kind of coming together. But then when you listen to Mm -hmm. them as all one line... It's like, oh, that really makes sense. And I think that's a credit to the arranging, which was, again, by by Gordon Jenkins. Um, it, it's pretty cool how, how that all worked out. Um, but for me, uh, you know, this is all I ask. I thought that was, uh, you know, one of my favorites. You know, I think the, the lyrics are beautiful. Uh, they are a bit vague, which is, you know, 
I think that's just, as we said earlier, is, is kind of just the style of the time period. Yeah, so, we're just going to have to let that go. <laughs> so you just have that be. But it does have, you know, some some beautiful imagery. Wandering rainbows leave a bit of color for my heart to own. Stars in the skies make my wish come true. Before the night has flown, let the music play as long as there's a song to sing. Um, so so I, I thought that, that was quite beautiful. And I think that for this song, it, it stretches Nat a bit. You know, it's kind of getting to the very upper register of his of his very uh, broad and, and wonderful baritone voice. Um, but he navigates it very well. And, you know, I think this is probably the best example of just the quality of his vocal technique. And, you know, you say... Uh, you know the tone of his voice is so soothing and i'd like to just get, stop for a minute and take a take a second to to talk about this so across genres whether it's um frank sinatra and nat king cole or to some you know classical singers like Pavarotti or morella flarini or any of those folks or even like you know some more contemporary people like you know, and I'm not saying she has perfect vocal technique, but for this, what I'm what I'm setting up, it's a good example is Adele, and it's the pure vowels. And mm-hmm. when people sing with very pure e- vowels, it makes their voice sound very easy because they don't let, especially in English, consonants uh, infect the vowel sound, which is what the voice really wants to kind of flow on, right? Mm-hmm. And and this particular song. There's several diphthongs that Nat King Cole just navigates brilliantly, like the word night. So if you're singing it, it's night. So uh, so let me stop for a minute. Diphthong is two vowel sounds together. So it's na e. So it's n- so when you say it quickly, it's just night. But when you're singing it, you're saying singing night, and you have to get the t on the end. And what he does because he's smart and he knows how his voice works. He kind of stays on the first vowel as long as possible. And then he tucks in the second vowel and the consonant together as and just tucks them in then to the very end. So you still understand the word because his diction is clean, but it's not impacting any of his vocal technique. So it's so clean and beautiful and you just get that big, broad sound. Um, and... That's why even in this song, which is again to the to the probably the limit of what he's comfortable singing, it still sounds pretty easy and 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 beautiful, which is which is kind of the main point. Um, so that really stuck out to me. Uh, yeah, and and you make a lot of great points about his his voice and the little details that occur to make him sound even better and i think that it's just really interesting because i was thinking about his singing and uh kind of pop singers of of today and i think uh and and not just today but kind Mm of you know 70s 80s 90s yeah through time right yeah um and how uh there's a lot of kind of um stressing that second vowel sound in the dip in the diphthong mm-hmm. um 
which actually makes it more difficult for you to sing. Right, right. Uh, and also, there's definitely, I would say, a different value placed on what singers are and are not able to do, you know, now versus then. Mm-hmm. And I think that over the past 25 or 30 years, the way that we view collective we, our culture, sure, the, sure. Way, the way that we view, um, uh, you know, good good pop singers or good singers in general, uh, there there's a lot of value placed on being is able being able to sing as loud and as high as you possibly can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and really stretching the upper limits of your voice. Whereas I think back then, the the value was not placed on you know kind of the that those vocal acrobatics. The sure, the sure. value the value was placed on clarity, on tone, on mm-hmm. your ability to kind of clearly deliver the message of the song, mm-hmm. and staying in the sweet spot of your voice so it all sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that may be, and that may be also you know a limitation of of the recording equipment as well because if you're always singing that loud and that high into a microphone in 1957 mm-hmm. you're going to clip them you're going to clip the mic right which right. which which means that it, clipping the mic for people who don't know is when distortion occurs uh through a, a pa or something when you're singing into a microphone because the system can't handle the volume that's being mm-hmm. put through it mm-hmm. um so and and the other thing is is you know diction like you like you were saying like you can hear you can understand every single word every that single he word. says and um you know I, when i listen to music like diction is not always a major concern of mine but i definitely appreciate his ability to do that and you know some some pop stars and some styles of music today you know not only do they neglect diction they seem to regard it with contempt like they, <laughs> like it's you know um uh our friends it, from Pearl jam for sure <laughs> oh yeah 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 absolutely absolutely uh and you know i don't think one is i don't think one is necessary one way is necessarily better than the other but it's just interesting as far as what what your ear gets used to um and uh it's interesting to notice those contrasts yeah yeah for sure for sure i mean i think to your point you know you could uh, for 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 basically this entire you know usually when i'm listening to um to, to whatever we're listening to for for a given episode you know i'm pulling up the lyrics to go along, you know, just to, to make sure I, I, I get them right and make sure I'm hearing what I what I think I'm hearing. And for these, I mean, I did it, but it really wasn't necessary. You can you no. can really hear every word um, that that he's um, that that he's singing. Um, so I think we touched a bit on what you didn't like about the album. You know, I think it, it can get a bit 
homogenous in that it's, you know, it's the same sort of orchestration. It's the same tempi of song, you know, you know, they're all kind of like slow ballads. There's a couple of waltzes in there, which are kind of fun. Um, but generally speaking, it's all kind of the same. I, I would li- like to, to to disagree with you about one point, which I thought was pretty cool about this album is um the cadence writing so like as we get to the end you know harmonically these are all pretty i mean there's there's a couple of seventh chords and some some you know interesting little things in there here and there but generally they're harmonically they're they're pretty straightforward and so for folks who don't study music theory you know a cadence is really getting from 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 five or four to one so your tonic chord of the key of that you're singing in so it's kind of getting back to home base and you'll you'll hear you'll know it when you hear it and what i found so interesting about this album is though all the songs are kind of similar in structure and with you know their harmonics all the cadences are different they're very Mm -hmm. and they're variations and you know it's what i like to think of as a cadence is you know Basically, it's like your dog. They have their dog bed. They know they're going to sleep in their dog bed, but they still walk around it four times before they actually lay down, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what I thought was cool about this is, and and again, this is a credit to Gordon Jenkins, because I'm sure that he, he had a hand in all these, is they kind of meander off to the left, and then they kind of come back. And then you're like, how are they going to get back there? Because I know it's still in my ear. I know where home base is. And yet they find a way to get there. And they do it in different ways with different techniques. Like there's arpeggi. There's arpeggi that kind of come in in and out. Um, and um, there's like sustain chords. And then a melody that kind of comes over it. And then it's kind of like a bumblebee that's like flying, flying, flying around. And then it lands on the flower. And it's like, well, the flower's been there the whole time with this sustained chord. And now the bee has just found the flower. So I thought, and and if you didn't notice it, Dan, I encourage you to kind of go back and just listen to like the last 30 seconds of a couple of them. Because yeah. I, I swear for, you know, in, in my notes getting ready for this, at least four, five, six of them, I was like, it just says cadence because I was like, that was kind of a cool cadence. Oh, that's different from what I've heard before. And, you know, it, they could have went very vanilla on it. And they were like, hell no, we're doing stracciatella. <laughs> we're putting some caramel on there. And <laughs> then we're going to get to eat the ice cream. So I, I, I right. really appreciated that. Uh, no, I, 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 I did notice that a bit. And, um, you know, again, like sometimes my my vocabulary is a little bit limited in, in describing the, the structure mm-hmm. that, that, that like my ear knows, but I just don't know how to say it. Yeah. And yeah. there were, and there were a couple of times where, uh, like kind of the second to last thing that he sings mm-hmm. goes to a place that you would not necessarily expect, but it always, it always resolves the way that, feels feels right Um, feels right right like that's like um, very much like western music conventions like oh mm -hmm. it's and that's what we're talking about with like the you know four to four to one or five to one it's kind of like oh we're settling in now and and that's you know all of music is about tension and resolution right because you want to have that dissonance 
or the you know and 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 to have the dissonance that then resolves it's very satisfying right that's what our ears want to hear just because we've been hearing it for you know our entire lives so exactly um, so 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 to be able to do that in these very kind of creative and um uh you know interesting ways i thought at, I, I thought that adds a lot and it's really um you know using those strings to you know their full potential um in this type of music uh yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's definitely a, a pretty rich tapestry of stuff um i just wish that i i just wish that there was a little bit more kind of overt dynamic tension yeah. or or, yeah, I, I, or yeah. some more variety uh, on the on the album um and you know and, and speaking of the the string section and mm-hmm. and all of that um i did want to make make mention you know just like we made mention on on our last episode of just the musicians who are in the studio creating this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because you know much like the the session players on jolene uh, you know i'm sure that they're they were underpaid um, you know, we're, we keep talking about the, you know, the arranger and, you know, kind of the folks in charge, but I would be extremely surprised if any of these people, uh, playing in this orchestra, uh, received any kind of credit in, in the liner notes oh, <laughs> of no the way. album. No and, way. And it's so old at this point that you know, the names have probably been just lost. Like yeah. nobody even knows who played on this thing. Yeah. And, and that's a real shame because obviously they were, you know, highly skilled uh, craftsmen, really, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, in making this. Um, so underappreciated, unheralded, unknown. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I mean, it surely adds so much. And, and, and I will say, you know, I think there are a few tracks where they get a little bit overzealous, you know, and and that's that's fine, because I think, you know, on the whole, it, it really adds a lot to it, because if you think about it, if it was just kind of with like piano or even like like a jazz trio, it would it would sound so different. And, um, you know, it, it could be a bit, you know, I think that would be interesting to hear. But I like this kind of fuller sound i i think is is to my own personal taste and preference um but maybe they should have thrown in a few like that to your point about having a bit more variety because you know nat king cola he could sing jazz he could sing blues he could sing other things i mean it could have just been you know this is what we want for you for this one buddy just come crank it out and we'll sell you know and we'll sell the the records and then we'll move on to the next one you know um yeah, so, exactly. So. And having done seven albums in a year, you know, right, right. instead of half, you know, whereas, you know, now you make an one album every two years, right. a, a lot of the time, uh, they were able to instead of saying like, okay, well, we're 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 picking and choosing ten songs for this one album that mm-hmm. you're gonna make. And we need to have a little from column A and a little from column B. Right. right. It's like, no, we're going to give you a full album 
of orchestral <laughs> stuff. And uh, it'd be interesting to really just run down the titles of everything he made in that one year, because there's probably, you know, I'm, ju I'm just guessing, but if he made a full album or of orchestral stuff, then there's probably a full one of like jazz trio and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and just on and on. So, uh, uh, yeah, so it's definitely, um, you know, a large, a large body of work and, and I'm sure, uh, just based on the good stuff that I'm hearing from this one, that there is a, a Nat King Cole album out there for everybody. <laughs> Or just buy one of the compilations, you know, or just listen to one of the compilations of there must be countless uh, compilations. Oh, yeah, like on on Spotify or, uh, uh, you know, our our friends at Spotify, if anybody's listening <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or or the other um, or, 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 or that other company that that has music available widely <laughs> um yeah there's tons of playlists i'm sure where you can probably get like a really nice variety of you know nat king cole music which you know that that's that's i think i think we all could use a little bit more of that in our lives uh anything else that you want to mention um no not really i mean the only the only final thoughts i have are that um you know i I did enjoy this, um, you know, overall and, and, you know, I will happily, you know, listen to this type of music at, uh, your next, uh, cocktail party. You're damn right. You will. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause like, that's the thing, right. It's cause like, it has such like a nice, it just has such a great feel to it. Like you don't necessarily need to pay attention to every note and every lyric, but it just gives us it just gives you this vibe, which I, I, I fully welcome. Like, I, I think it's cool and, and it kind of satisfies my need for like having that classical music and then having popular music. And, you know, and that's, I think why I'm so drawn, drawn to this, to this style of, you know, of, of, you know, Nat King Cole and Frank and all those people. So, um, so with all that being said, uh, you have the choice for our next episode, so you want to tell everybody what will be uh, what will be in our ears uh, come next time we're on this uh, this show. Uh, yeah, so for next time we will be talking about Peter Gabriel's 1986 album entitled "So." Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one uh, as always, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, friends. To connect with us and join the conversation, you can follow us on both Instagram and Twitter at Brothers in Song. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Until next time, listen to some new music. You may surprise yourself. <laughs>